Golight presents the Lennon Courtney podcast. I'm Sonia Lennon. And I'm Brendan Courtney. And you're listening to the Lennon Courtney podcast. This week, it's the Thinking Woman's Guide to dun, 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 Fatal Fallouts. But personally, I've never had any disagreements with anyone ever in my life. So Sonia's going to have to teach me lots in this episode, aren't you, Sonia? <clears throat> That's right, Brendan. Never had a disagreement, Courtney? I thought I saw you screaming at yourself in the mirror earlier on today, but OK, let's agree to disagree. In this episode, we talk about the epic fallouts, arguments and disagreements that kill some friendships dead. We also discuss our fighting styles and ask, is it better to just let some relationships go? This is the Thinking Woman's Guide to Fatal Fallouts. Boil rabbits, please. Segway into casual chat. <laughs> <laughs> Off the cuff banter. <laughs> no Well, it's very important to just start today's chat with, after this record, we're going to graduate with our <gasps> master's degree. We get our cap and our gown and take lots of selfies. The internet is in for a big treat today. <laughs> Absolutely. It is the week of completions <laughs> after all. Yeah, I, I kind of... So we should say that there is a, there is a 60% attrition rate on our course. So we that just, that's not me feeding them. <laughs> <laughs> so so to get to the the final hurdle and to get our scroll today is is uh not that we want to be reveling in other people's Well no 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 let me give the figures. 15 people started the course, 6 are graduating today. And that's because people deferred, they have busy lives, not nothing to do with external I can see circumstances and there was a point where I thought I couldn't get it over the line to be honest because it's very difficult. But it really does show you like I was saying to Sonia on the way in if you'd have told me at the start the two of us would be one of the six that will graduate and of the fi- of the 15, of the nine that fall out, I would have put myself in the nine. Isn't that interesting though? You wouldn't have even considered that. I nine. wouldn't have thought about that. Yeah, no. Well, the Orpel, I was talking about this yesterday, the recognition of prior learning, which is so, somebody was cutting my hair yesterday and he said, what's your undergrad? What do you, you just cut my hair and shut up. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I don't have an undergrad. I said, well, I kind of did accountancy and then a bit of fashion and it's all very, you know, it's not, it's not academic at all. Oh, and how did you get on to a master's? And I explained recognition of prior learning and that's where you had me to do this really long-winded application. And it really did set us up for the level of, the, the type of work we were getting into, didn't it? It was a very particular type of work that involved a lot of rigour and neither of us excel on rigour, <laughs> you know? So it made us focus, it made us drill down um, it gave me a grounding for how many times I was going to have to talk you off the ledge during the course. Because so in the application process, I freaked out. I can't do this! This is too fucking hard! This is hard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It, well, I have to say, if you haven't got an undergrad, if you haven't got an original degree and you don't really understand the world, the Orpel will really give you a clear indication of what yeah. you need to do in order to graduate. So, so I do think that gave us biceps we didn't have yeah, before we started. it was a baptism of fire to, to give us a sense of what we were in for. Yeah, so I think we, it prepared us really yeah, well, didn't it? it did. So thank you, IADT. <laughs> and my supervisor, Sharon, has to be said, Sharon McGreevy, who's a gorgeous woman who, who I requested as my supervisor because I really like her, uh, is graduating with her doctorate today so Amazing. she can't make our ceremony. So oh. we're just all so bright. <laughs> <laughs> so, fatal fallouts, why did you want to talk about this? Do you know, this week? the reason that this came... Well, sort of, can I just say... Yeah. It's a, it is a brilliant title, right? Yeah. I, was a bit, I was worried that it was a bit too clever, but I, I road tested it on a couple yeah. of people, uh, female actually. Oh no, one male as well. And they completely got what I was talking yeah. about. 
So explain what Fatal Fall okay, is. Okay, so, so this started with... Um, it started actually with a post that I put up on Instagram of myself and my darling sister, Ashling, And it was a bit of a love story to her and how amazing she is. And uh, a, a lovely woman who we both know um, contacted me uh, by DM and said, uh, I'm actually bawling crying. Um, I, I'm so happy for you that you have such a relationship with your sister. I had a brutal falling out with my siblings. And it it lives with me every day um, and it seems irreconcilable. Oh, wow. And I wonder, would you do an episode of your podcast about uh, siblings falling out? And I thought... Well, you know who you are, lovely lady. Yeah, you certainly do. And you are the loveliest of all lovelies. Um, and, and I thought, well, actually, it, you know, I certainly know in my family history there was fallings out. Not irreconcilable, um, but over over a will. Um, and that's the most common one, I think. People, you know, where there's there's money, there's high motivation. Um, but I think we've all, thinking about it, we've all experienced fatal fallouts in our lives. People who, you know, there's been some explosive, dramatic event and that's been it. So, and never again. So I was thinking about this and I said to you as we were prepping this episode, I've never, and I lied, I have. I have a great one, but continue. It involves Kylie Minogue. <laughs> <laughs> we might keep that for the bonus episode. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's yeah. a hook if I've no, ever I mean, heard. Not that Kylie mm-hmm. Shinny writes mm-hmm. back to me to her solicitors now. <laughs> <laughs> but and and it's funny because we you know we were thinking about this and we were talking about this and I think uh, it's very much a time of life thing. Those kind of big dramatic dramatic bust ups, um, and it's something that I certainly associate with my twenties. That you know, for, first of all. I found myself in a couple of relationships that were friendships that were really hot and heavy yeah. and, and, and were too much to sustain. Um, and it is that kind of uh, the sustainability piece of your relationships. What level are you running at? Um, h- how, how enduring is it? Has it got the foundations to continue? Or is it a supernova that's going to crash and burn? There's a couple of angles on, on this, right? Um, and while you're talking, I'm thinking of relationships that are just mm-hmm. popping up. So everybody has it, you're right, fatal fallouts. It's one very recent one I have where exactly I met this person and we clicked instantly, laughed a lot. It got really intense, really intense really quickly. And I had to cut it off. I know, you're yeah, talking yeah, about. Yeah, I had to just go, That's I don't like this. It's I was very uncomfortable with the intensity of it because I have the maturity to go, this is not sustainable. I don't exactly. know what, what's this about even. And I'm not a therapist. I can't fix you. I don't want to fix, you know. Uh, where your family get a hall card for a lot of that stuff, right? You'll, you'll put up with a lot with your family because you, there's a loyalty, right? And there's a loyalty with old friends as well. But... Esther sent over uh, the, you know some notes before this and what I I was kind of thinking about this as well there definitely has been a clear out post-Covid for me mid post-Covid in that you got to sit on your own you got to assess which relationship which relationships <coughs> were uh, you know go meeting someone for a two metre walk along the canal Well if you <laughs> only have a limited amount of <laughs> if you only have a limited amount of contacts you better choose them pretty carefully You're going down but I do think in your 20s I actually listened to a podcast that, that somebody sent me, Alex sent me, it's an English girls podcast and she's she's in her 20s and she's saying, she has a whole episode about, it's okay not to have hundreds of friends mm. because in your 20s you feel like you have to be... Well, you're defined by volume as opposed to quality. You? Yeah, you are. Are you? And then you have this stupid thing where you call them your urban family. That was a 
that was an ex of mine in London called all his friends over. I said, you're not your urban family. Shut up. But, <laughs> and you know who you are. I don't care. <laughs> um, but the the... The, the notion that and you did I remember being in my 20s and going God loads of friends and sort of counting them Do you remember? And, and, and it was always how many people would show up to one of your parties you know and you wanted the place to which be is, rammed which is normal right yeah. but then you kind of well it's normal if you're uh, a, a, a sociopath a, a, it's normal <laughs> if you're a highly social extrovert yeah right so so it's normal from our perspective so I very quickly had my inner tear in my head, like there was me plus six or five um, who are my inner tier, constantly hung out with all, basically constantly hung out with all the time, went on holiday with. And then there was a wider group and then there was a wider, wider group, right? Um, and the wider, wider group would get invited to your 21st mm. or your 30th, you know, so you fill the room with them. <laughs> but you'd have your inner circle. And then, is this, is this an odd observation? But that inner circle, generally the ones that last the test of time, is that... Well, they should do. Yeah. They should do because what I've found about friendships that have endured beyond um, kind of constant contact, if you like, those those friendships that um, you can pick up again. Well, I, uh, you're right, we were talking about this as well, <coughs> we, where you, you're sitting with a friend you haven't seen in two years and, you, and one of you comments, my God, it's just like I saw you last week. And that's, I always think that's a real testament to you're still connected, you still have the same values, you still have the same sense of humour, you still have the same grow for each other. Mm. And I think that's a good little, because also, you also don't have an expectation of each other. Mm-hmm. If you don't see each other for a couple of years, it's not the end of the world. You mentioned um, the, the pandemic in, in terms of relationships. Esther, you might give us a few factoids. I will indeed. The new research from Google and YouGov shows that 40%, 46% of UK adults want to put an end to negative or non-useful friendships and nearly half of people, 42%, are looking to set more boundaries in how they spend their time. There's also a term, pruning, is a term that some sociologists use to talk about our social lives. Since the start of the pandemic, again, people have been pruning friends. Like you said, Brendan, just kind of looking at the garden of friendship and going, who do I stay close? Who do I keep? Or whose head do I chop off? So like. I have a great phrase that my Alex gets mentioned a lot, but Alex gave me once. It was when we were making the documentary with Boy George and uh, Alex commented, uh, he's used up all his credits because he's NA now and he doesn't drink and he doesn't go, you know, blah, blah, blah. And I, I was like, what do you mean he's used up all his credits? He said, well, he's, he's partied so hard, he's used all his credits. And I was like, oh, that's kind of good. And I took that, and that using all your credits and, and thought, I'm not going to invest my time with somebody for free <laughs> if it's going to take credit. You know, if it's going to take, if it's going to take mm. energy and exhaust me and there's nothing in it for me, I'm not going to do it. So I can value it. And if I'm invited to something, like I've had the maddest invites, you know, because of the jobs we do, right? And I'm like, but why would I go to your niece's Holy Communion? No, you know, I don't even know you. So I, I've got a good little tick box thing that I do. A decision making matrix. But also we're in the weird <laughs> position that, yeah, that organising my birthday felt like a gig, felt like work. And then I stopped it, remember? Because yeah. I was like, this feels like a wedding or something. And, I'm, and, or, and a wedding would feel like work because that's what we do. We organise mm. things, we make things happen, blah, blah, blah. So I like simple, simple. So for example, tonight when we graduate, Ooh. I'm going to have a very simple little dinner in a Greek restaurant. I don't want anything fancy. That's mm. that, that, Whereas I know normal people, not the freaks like me, will go and really spend money and have a really nice fancy dinner and, and enjoy it. 
uh, and probably have a group of people where I just want it really simple because... Funny, I, I'm going very simple as well. Yeah. But let, let me go back um, and we talk about um, the credits and the return on investment of friendships Ooh. and relationships. And, you know, m- my phrase I is... I just added in a new column to me matrix. <laughs> Um, my, What's the ROI on this? <laughs> my, my term is that people are either hoovers or radiators, you know? No, go on. Go and, on. and so people either draw the energy out of you um, and take or, or they radiate back. And I was listening to a podcast, oh, that American girl, Emma Chamberlain, who uh, my daughter, Evie, used to used to like a lot. But anyway, so, somebody put me onto this um, podcast and she was talking about... She's only in her 20s, but she was identifying positive friendships by um, ascertaining the joy that could be delivered through your success to the other person. So if somebody's happy for your success, Mm. that means that they have no uh, egoic sort of perspective on on you. So so. And for me, if you if you want to kind of distill it into one tiny knob, who are the people in your life who are really happy for your success? Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're the people who love you for who you are and what you do or what you don't do. Mm-hmm. You know, and don't feel the need to 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 compete win, or, win or compete. Yeah. So it's competitiveness and and joy for your success. Th- those are the two things to kind of look at. I think. Uh, here's a here's a, a curveball and probably get me into loads of trouble, but I don't care. Uh, in same sex relationships is a natural competition because we're both men and and that's just bread. I don't believe that's nature. I believe that's nurture. We've had the conversation before. So we shop because we're similar size. We shop elbow to elbow. Get out of my way because we fit the same thing. And if I see something and Adam wants it, there's a kind of a dash for it. So there's a kind of a, no, but that's with every partner I've ever had of the same size as me because we would have similar tastes, right? So it's not the healthiest thing in the world, but you have to manage it. You have to go, right, okay, there's, I see this competition thing happening. And fundamentally, we are happy for each other's success and we mutually benefit from each other's sex, success but sex yeah. <laughs> I said sex um, but uh, there's an inherent competitiveness that has always been there in same sex relationships not not honestly I can honestly say not for me because I'm always the winner <laughs> only joking but I've always felt that with partners and I wonder if that's the relationships I'm choosing um, there's, a, there's an underlying not un- unhealthy not damaging, mm. but there's a competitiveness. It's funny because I'm, I'm just I'm thinking about one one of the reasons that I love. That's why I will die alone. <laughs> <laughs> one of the reasons that I actually love Dave is that he, if I was out dancing and flirting and being flirted with or whatever at any point in our relationship, he'd kind of enjoy that. That there's a sort of a, a sense of a sense of joy even in my joy yeah. you know knowing obviously that I'm coming home with him but uh, you know that's I, slightly a different thing though because that's a confidence in the relationship as well and that's important right yeah and that allows uh, and it's it's, a, it's it's not it's rare and I love that as well because actually if people flirt with Adam I really enjoy that it, it, it doesn't threaten me at all yeah um, whereas people flirt with me I give them my number <laughs> <laughs> okay on that note let's take a break <laughs> And we're back. Yeah, so I, I think your relationship is is clearly founded on trust and that, that's that, right? But anyway, 
I, what I love about it, because we're going off into tangents about... But you could talk about this forever, yeah, right? But I, what I want to talk about really is, and, and for our listeners as well, is when you mention this topic, it's not something we think about because actually when you cut someone out, you actually cut them out. Like, and, and we both agree, you, you, you can actually manage to stop thinking about them. Mm-hmm. And the one person I cut out, which I did regret, was a friend of mine um, I won't say his name actually and I lived in London and he was going out with the, my housemate uh, he was straight and um, he actually passed away a couple of weeks ago would you believe so I don't feel so bad telling the story but he was a terrible man for borrowing money and the borrowing money I don't know what he was doing with the money anyway whatever this one particular time this is this is a funny story and I really loved him but I had to I had to end the relationship when um, Coyote Uglies tap dancing gorgeous looking Adam Garcia knocked on my front door and this person had sold my bike to Adam Garcia because he was in a show with him in the West End and he needed money and Adam I was like hello Adam Garcia and my front door said hi yeah such and such sent me around I, get, I paid him the money for the blue oh there it is the blue mountain bike I was like that's, that's, that's my bike and he said well I've just bought it off Yoki Mabob I said oh, okay here's the bike I gave him the bike you gave him the bike well, it's Adam Garcia. I didn't know what to do. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, Wayne, I think, who we talk about all the time, my good friend now, my boyfriend at the time, Wayne was like eating dinner. He was like, oh, who is that? I said, that was Adam Garcia. He said, why didn't you bring him in? I said, he just wanted my bike. <laughs> but uh, when I sat down and started eating my kale and corn or whatever, I was like, I think I have to end that relationship. He was just, he's just sold my bike. That's hilarious. Yeah. So, and I did, I ended it that night and I stopped taking his calls and when we bumped into each other, it was all very friendly, but I just thought this is toxic and unhealthy for me and I can't help this person. So I, I did, I consciously put the gates down then. Yeah. But I still loved him, you know. Yeah, no, no I've, I've had a couple of them. I mean, I remember one, one person, uh, who I lived with and um, I had been gifted these amazing, um, this amazing lingerie set which and the, the the knickers were like French lace up almost to the bra and they were just incredible. And uh, I said to her, you know, have you seen, I can't find those knickers from that set anywhere. No. And I was like, really, really? <laughs> and then one day I saw the lace peeping up over her tracksuit bottom. I was like, no! <laughs> So that was the end of that. That was a, a very speedy uh, reversal um, out of that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Don't you think, though, you know, it's it's interesting. So we would have had like these explosive kind of moments. And now it's just a kind of a subtle moonwalk out of the room. That's exactly it. Mm-hmm. And but but so in the gay world, which I go on about a lot, when it was a bit smaller, you tended to break up with somebody and see them a lot because it was only two bars in Dublin, right? Mm. So you kind of had to stay civil. Now, there was a few, obviously, absolute horrific breakups or there was the one guy who slept with my flatmate while I was asleep. You know, there's some really not nice ones. And um, so you kind of are in the same circles. It's very difficult to cut someone out and then look around the door and they're there and they're there and it just gets awkward eventually you have to say because everybody can feel that you're not talking to each other and it's just like, and there's nothing worse than that um, that eye movement yeah. that, that is to look at everything except well, it's you like schoolyard yeah right? it's awful so, so you can't not, not do it right so um, that's probably a little bit of the reason why it's difficult to cut people out but what, what I think what the brethren do is we just moonwalk slowly away mm-hmm. but we stay very civil yeah yeah, and we and what for the I good call, of all. So, in the the polite way to put it, is you just lower your expectations of each other. Well, that's that's mm-hmm. really the nub of it, isn't yeah. it? Um, mm-hmm. A friend of mine uh, was going out with uh, her boyfriend for 
years and it was getting worse and worse and worse and more and more toxic and everybody was hurting and she had enough. She said, that's it. It's over. But they continued to live together. And she said, actually... It was fine. It was completely fine Um, because the expectations were gone. Right. You know, and so... your expectations of other people. Was there no jealousies or weirdness? No, no wow. nothing. It was completely fine. So I think we we do, and there is that piece as well, you know, we've talked about it before, the Karpman Triangle, which is victim, persecutor, saviour. Um, and, and we get into these relationships with our nearest and dearest. Um, and so the, the really close relationships that we have, often we default to a fixing mode. Oh God, yeah. I can, I can I can fix you uh-huh. or or you need to be fixed which is even worse um and 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 we only do that and we only do that in in the closest of close circles um with our partners with our children um and, and it's so destructive it's so destructive and nobody ever wins because you move around this triangle sometimes you're the savior and when you're not the savior you're the persecutor because then that person is the victim and then you become the victim because they're really angry with you for being the persecutor and you go round and round and round it's it's wearing so like many of the episodes that we record i always have this sort of vision in my head of someone in their 4 by 4 driving through Kalani, dropping the kids off to the nannies and and listening and going, oh yeah. And so I always feel when we, for me personally, when we strike up these thoughts and we start to delve into things like, you know, cutting people out of our lives, I always think we should offer a little bit of advice about how to do it, right? Yeah. Um, now, I've done it organically. That's why I said I've never done it because I never consciously did it. I never sat down and said, right, I need to get rid of that person. Unless you break up with somebody and then that's... Three words. Splinter, WhatsApp, group. <laughs> <laughs> What's splinter? Well, you just, it's a breakaway group that doesn't involve the person who's just been phased out. Oh, a splinter WhatsApp group. Yeah, but then you, you put the wrong oh, thing in the wrong yeah, group. That is. Have you done that? Ah, unsend. Ah, too late. Delete for everyone. Shit, delete for me. Uh, <laughs> 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 delete for me. It's the worst. That's the Today's t shirt is on the front. It says delete for everyone, and the back it says delete for me. <laughs> They leave for me. <laughs> that's <the> brilliant. <laughs> Blinter WhatsApp groups. Oh, that's just so huddling behind the school shed, though. No, no. But I think it's it's just. I for me, it's not about that. You're you're talking about somebody else. It's actually that. Actually, that's enough now. Mm. That's enough now. It's this this. So so uh, so the, we still have because we're still all of us on the in the world who have WhatsApp, who have technology, haven't figured out how to leave a group politely. Right? There is no way. There is no. There way. is no way. Is it? If you both. Are not moonwalking out of the room at the same time. There's a clinging thing happens. Oh, that happened to me. Did it? Where are you going? Where are you going? No, we're just going over here. <laughs> Let's go. Get back here. Like. And yeah. do you think then you need words? Uh, you just cut off and block, and that's awkward. That's harsh. And you block on all social media, and you block, and it's like breaking up with someone. It's like oh, fucking get take, get the message. We're not mates. Not working. We don't like you. You know you're being mad. So I, I have a number of different groups that... The so ebb and flow, don't well, they? Yeah, they do, you mm. know. And and I think there are certain groups that there is a natural um, gravitational pull towards them at certain times because of certain contexts. contexts. And so I would see that um, 
like myself and my, my secondary school friends are, are, are very tight at the moment and, and mm-hmm. talking to each other an awful lot because an awful lot is happening and, and you know, it really feels like we need to be there for each other more than it has previously. And, and it, that's kind of gorgeous. That's a real pick up where you left off thing um not you know we, we talk to each other but, but it's, it feels it feels tighter now which is really nice and then my sort of town friends who my party friends who are mo- so much more than my party friends um I see all the time and and then there's kind of my professional group as well who are you know equally amazing and 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 it's it's sort of it's almost like having a smorgasbord of different cuisines to pick from yeah but have you cut anyone out yeah I have I have. I mean, I, 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 I certainly became aware of relationships that were that, that created no joy and no value for mm-hmm. me. And I'm pretty sure for the other person either. I, I don't think they wanted to be there as much as I didn't want to be there. Mm. And so that Klingon thing didn't happen because the, the moonwalk was reciprocated. Yeah. And, and everybody was happy to say, do you know what, lads, this isn't working. Yeah. Nothing in it for me. Um, so without words, obviously. Um, so yeah, no, no, definitely, and you sort of move away from people who, who, who don't, who aren't happy for you. Yeah, that, I think that's what it boils down to, and you want to be happy for them too. Yeah, and that that's a kind of maturity thing as well when you understand that. That um, when I look back, like twenty five years ago, and I started when I decided I wanted to be a TV presenter, and all of a sudden I was a TV presenter, and it was quite a leap from not knowing anybody to all of a sudden having my own format and being... And I was so busy being happy for myself and and ambitious. I didn't notice, actually, how jealous people were around me. And when I look back, I see it, particularly my contemporaries in television. They weren't nice to me. And also I was gay, so I had this little thing that kind of irritated them, especially the Liberals. And so it's so funny to look back at that. And then I can see it now in in other people around me as younger people come up I can see they're not happy for them and that's really interesting for me that's a professional thing that's a different thing but but it's also personal no yeah and it really was there was was lots of roadblocks put in my way that I didn't even see so I just jumped over them and went to another one you know what I mean Mm -hmm. people go nah him he's too gay okay bye I'll go over here and off I went and did over here so I didn't I was never it never phased me which is kind of amazing when I look back but you probably had a bit of a, a a force field around you that you just obviously didn't see it and that was my inner circle of friends who we were all liberal, doing our thing, partying, having fun. And I'm still friends with ne- nearly all of them, mm. um, who f- most of them were happy for me. Some of them weren't that happy for me. Um, but they were they were fundamentally happy for me, but they were wondering why it wasn't happening to them, I think. There was a, th- th- and they had to go. And there is a, there is a sort of a, a, a philosophical piece around judgment of other people as well. And if you go back to the kind of, you know, our, our favourite choice theory piece, and there's a guy called Guy Finley, um, who has a series of lectures called um, The Illusion of Limitation. And he talks about this concept of when we make... I'm writing that down as well. <laughs> when we make a judgment on somebody, it can only come from what lives within us. We're all mirrors, basically. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So whatever we, whatever we judge... So say we say that person's really um, callous and shallow. That that can only come from what we know of ourselves. The, so, and a really basic way, the biggest homophobes I've ever encountered normally are very uncomfortable in their own sexuality. Yeah. Because they're, I make them uncomfortable because they're they're not, they're not sure what's going on. Yeah. Because I have a great ass. So. <laughs> Confused. <laughs> Look at my ass as I moonwalk away from you. Yeah. <laughs> so you can't like, backwards moonwalk. Oh, you have to. You can. 
That's all you can do. <laughs> no, but then you'd be walking into them. I'm trying to get away from you. <laughs> but you have to look at my ass. I've got to go this way. <laughs> you got, got a twist in that moonwalk. You'd be like, you've gotten what you came for. Yeah, I'm going to walk Here's over a there. T-shirt. Feet back. Feet back. Ass forward. Right. <laughs> uh, okay, so let's... Uh, yeah, so we'll do we do what we put in a t-shirt. We'll say either delete for me. Oh, delete for me. Delete for everyone. Delete for everyone. Yeah, no, no. Delete for you want delete for everyone, yeah. but, but depressed delete for me. <laughs> Fuck it. And then and then when you know they've all seen it, you just fucking delete for me because you just can't bear to look at it. <laughs> <laughs> and we're gonna. Say What's the worst message you've sent to the wrong person? Oh, it was that. It was that person. That I was talking about and I went, <laughs> what, what was the message? Oh, it was like, oh, and I pulled people in and Brendan said this and Sonia's fed up with this. Like, and dates and times and horoscope signs and like really pinpointing. And then you sent it to them. Yes! <laughs> and I was like, oh my God. You're already going to get texts in a few minutes. And I had to put it in the door. So I was like, well, it's there. I've done it now. Somebody once but sent I, me I don't a see text which was... A, 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 like oh my god a rant and a half to their husband about <laughs> everything that was wrong with them <laughs> sent it to me uh-huh. well, you know my, you know my one was I was on a date remember I told you with the oh, doctor, with the doctor and he we met at a party on the Sunday night and the Wednesday night we met and, and he was sitting at the table in the restaurant I was five minutes late first of all and he was a doctor and uh, when I walked in the owner of the restaurant said oh Brendan I didn't realise this you had moved us to a better table which don't ever do that because it's really embarrassing because then he, he was like his ego was dinted straight away going oh so you come in we get a better table it wasn't even a better table just that he, the, the owner wanted everybody to see the gaze on the table and we're sitting there and he got the hump well, straight away the gave the great ass there you go <laughs> Uh, the owner yeah. got the, the off he went and he, I see he got the hump and he was just straight away rude and arrogant and um, my sister had given me a lift in and said text me let me know how the day's gone so he went to the toilet and I text Dick and his phone went beep beep I was like <gasps> so I was trying to get to his phone <laughs> and he came back from the toilet right he just looked at the phone and looked at me like that and I just went you want some? <laughs> He's like, <"Ha-ha-ha."> yeah. <laughs> it's sex. <laughs> it's sex. It's sex. Oh, I'm so horny. <laughs> but we have the banoffee first. <laughs> then we'll have loads of sex. Okay. He knew. He knew. Oh, the worst. The Lenny Courtney Podcast is an Exceed Potential production. Esther O'Mordonahu is producer and social media is managed by Julie Gartland with special thanks to D-Ready at Go Loud. Follow at Lennon Courtney on all social media platforms for the latest news and updates. New episodes are released every Thursday. Rah!